The most difficult thing for a child to realize is that he is a child and cannot do certain things yet. And he feels that this state will always be in existence, and he becomes very frustrated that he is not allowed to drive the family car, that he is not allowed to take the boat out into the lake by himself, that he cannot ride the motorcycle, and that he can't uh, go away on a weekend camping trip all by himself, and he can't fly an airplane, and he feels that he is mistreated and that he is unfortunate in some way because he cannot do things that he sees other people doing. This is always one of the temptations of a little one, a child, in the new world. He possibly sees other people do things, or he has heard about it, or he's read about it, and he becomes very discouraged and disheartened that he can't do these things. He doesn't realize he is still a child in the new world. Being in the new spiritual world is much like being a child in the physical world. It takes time for one to grow. As the child learns certain things, such as how to get across the street, how to observe traffic signals and so forth, he feels he should be allowed everything, that he has everything, that he is very, very capable. However, those that are entrusted with his care know that he is not capable of adding responsibility at this time. A person that may have experienced seeing things differently, experienced a new attitude, experienced a new set of behavior, experienced a new world, a new whole new state of being based on love, and hasn't possibly yet experienced faith hasn't experienced grace, and has only experienced a certain degree of agape, or understanding, might feel that one has experienced everything, that one has arrived, and is disappointed to find that possibly he can't make up his mind yet about certain things, that he can't see the good in certain things. And instead of seeing he is a child in a new world, he may become discouraged, despondent, and, of course, then the suggestion has caught him, and he has to do much work to get back again. Now, as one evolves slowly and certainly, much like walking on a trip from the hog pen to the father's house, he is met on the way and given gifts. That doesn't mean that he has received everything that he will receive. In the story of the prodigal son, the son returning home from Egypt, who had seen a new value and a new purpose and a new aim. He was on his way, and his father saw him while he was yet a long way off. He was still a child in his returning. He was walking. The father ran to meet him and gave him gifts. He put a new robe on him, which means he had a new set of ideas for understanding, a new way of seeing. And he put a chain about his neck. A chain in the symbolism represents that he has been given power over certain things, that he can do certain things now. That the kings put a chain with a certain emblem on them on certain of their 
officers and that showed they served the king and that all the people further down the land and whatever his office showed obeyed him. All things less than where one is does obey, which is when one makes up one's mind. They all obey. Now, we're not talking about people. Man has never been given dominion over man. He's been given dominion over other things. One of the temptations that comes along when one is small in the kingdom, in the new world, in the spiritual world, is same as in the physical world, that one is disappointed because one doesn't have everything obey them but only that which is lower. Now, when anyone blames anything, when one is rather despondent because one is a child and doesn't have all the capabilities of an adult, one becomes despondent and is apt to begin to blame. One might uh, recall that when one was a child and they wouldn't let him drive the car or take the boat, or whatever it may be, that he became indignant and he began to blame. Now, anything one blames, one has placed higher than self. Anything that one blames, one has placed higher than self. I. So if I blame illness for striking me down, then illness will not obey me because I am subject to it. It has a chain with a symbol on it representing higher than I will accept. If I consider that circumstances force me into doing something and I blame circumstances, then circumstances are higher in the scale of being than I will accept. If I blame some situation for causing me difficulty, instead of seeing it as a gift, then of course I have placed that situation higher in the scale of being than I. And of course, I, it will not obey me. I have no way to make up my mind that I see what is and I see the good of the situation and that is then below me. I am observing it instead of it controlling me. So man does not experience faith for a considerable length of time as he grows in the kingdom, in the new world, as his spiritual body matures. Faith is the greatest power known to man. And if he could experience it, while he was still little, he might misuse it. Few of us would trust a loaded 30 6 rifle to a little child because he doesn't know how to handle it. He is still subject to indiscretions. He is still subject to many things that happen that he is not fully aware. He is growing in awareness, and we might trust him with a little air rifle or a pop gun, and as he learns to be careful with it and observe and respect the power of that pop gun or the air rifle, we might trust him with a twenty-two under supervision. And as he proves himself heedful of all situations and that he observes the necessity of controlling the rifle rather than blaming it if it fires and shoots him in the leg, 
he will be given maybe a larger caliber rifle, and sooner or later he will be given the 30 out 6 and maybe even more powerful guns or other things that tools of ability. We seldom would trust a little child to take a powerful automobile off the premises by himself. We will let him ride. We will take him where he wants to go. When he shows that he can observe the rules of traffic by walking, we might entrust him with a bicycle. And when he shows that he can handle it well, we might trust him with a more powerful vehicle. And finally, he can drive the car. And <clears throat> many of them are driving cars that apparently didn't take those precautions. They still do not seem to represent realize the strength and the destructiveness of that possible use of that powerful weapon. Even though it is not usually considered a weapon, it can become a very dangerous instrument when one isn't heedful of its power. And so faith is more powerful than all these things. So man doesn't usually experience faith right off. He finds that he can see what is, and he can see the good of it, but he can't quite make up his mind. And he may take this as a limitation, that he has failed, but it is not that he has failed. He can begin to see the good of not having faith until he is more mature in the spiritual world. As he understands and sees that he is thankful for not having been given another gift beyond the ones he's already been given, he might be entrusted with faith because he sees the power of faith. He sees the value of it. And he knows that very valuable things, very valuable abilities, very valuable positions or offices are not indiscriminately handed out. That the person must have the maturity before they're given them. And one can slowly mature in the spiritual world, much as one matured physically in the physical world. And one didn't have certain privileges or certain powers or ability. Some of us may be many, many years old and haven't been given all powers and abilities yet. In the physical world, then obviously the spiritual world, where faith being the most powerful force known to man, the story has told us that the Christ said to a fig tree, Thou shalt henceforth bear no more fruit. And it was dead that evening. It forthwith withered up. That is very powerful force. He said if a person had the faith of a mustard seed, very small amount of faith, just barely beginning to experience faith, that he could say to a tree, Be thou rooted up and planted in the ocean, and that it would obey. These are very powerful things. So obviously, faith would not be entrusted to a child in the spiritual world. And we can be very thankful that it's not entrusted because we might use it in a moment of indiscretion in our youngness in the spiritual world for something that would be very harmful. And we are aiming to be harmless. So grace is seeing a gift. Seeing things as gifts that one never did see as gifts before. And possibly being denied or having faith 
the experiencing of faith with help from us for a while is a very great gift. You see, a child never sees that because his parent won't let him have the automobile when he is not quite capable of recognizing its power, or his father won't let him use the 30-yard six rifle, or that he won't let him take the power boat out into the lake by himself. He doesn't see that his father is interested in his well-being. He sees his father is a mean old man who just won't let him do things. He feels he is very, very capable. And, of course, that is a little trace of vanity that still is trying to entice one back. You know, vanity was a very powerful force and stayed in existence for a long time. And while it may be cast out now, it's still rambling around outside trying to get one back. And it tells one that one is capable. But awareness, self-awareness, is constantly observing and seeing that one is still a child in the spiritual world, that one's spiritual body, frame of reference, is not fully developed. And then one sees that the fact that one has not experienced faith is grace, a great gift, an undeserved good, because we would have grabbed it, you know, right quick, because we would, of course, only used it for good, like the child would have not misused the rifle, or he would have not misused the boat, he would not have misused the automobile, but his judgment is not sufficient yet. He has to take the things in steps as we can use them. And to begin to recognize as grace many of the things that one has considered to be evil, bad. So one of the things that we begin to reevaluate about now is seeing things differently. We started seeing differently, now we will enhance that ability. We will practice seeing things different. So suppose we head a sheet grace, the undeserved gifts extended to me, to I, to the awareness function of X, undeserved gifts. One of them would be that I have not experienced faith yet, and I'm thankful that I have not experienced faith. This is for one who's little in this kingdom, in the new world, in the world of spirit. One would be thankful when one is uncomfortable because spirit is speaking to one undeserved goods and telling one that one has gooped and check up, get back on the beam, get back on the line, see where one is stressed either by the environment, by inner feeling, by activity, or by improper nutrition. One would be thankful for all things that seemingly interfered in one's initiated aims because it gives one the ability to see if one is maturing or if one still has a tendency to get a little annoyed or feel one's hurt. Whether one is somewhat mature in the spiritual world, it points out very clearly where am I? That was the first question we have a record of in the esoteric teaching that man was asked, where are you? For a person to know where he is in the scale of being in the spiritual world is of great value. He begins to see what he is capable of handling and what he still 
requires more self-awareness. It is so easy to assume that we already know. Every time we make a discovery, we have a tendency to think this is it. But those who have gone on before tell us that no matter how far one goes, they still make discoveries. And each time he thinks this is so great, they can barely be anything more. This is must be the ultimate. But still as he goes on in observing and being aware, being a servant of X, being objectively aware of everything that comes along, not subjective, how does this affect me, but objective, just seeing it, reporting it, and its seeming value is seen at the moment. Then one seemingly never runs out of discoveries. So no matter what we have discovered, we're still children in the new world. And of course, the child discovers how to uh, cross a stream or he discovers how to swim the length of a pool and he thinks he's discovered the ultimate. But a few days later, he discovers something else and he thinks that is the ultimate. So we're talking about observing self, being aware, and observing all things about us, observing suggestion, observing relationships, observing things we see related and connected in a way we've never seen them connected before. And we are thankful for every limitation we experience. It tells us where we are. And to be able to answer where am I is of great, great value. And in love, Agape, one is also little and is a child, has learned something, has been able to see that people know what is right, proper, and justifiable. Whatever they do to them is what is right, proper, and justifiable. But he possibly hasn't considered many other situations. So it might be a very interesting thing to begin a series of experiments to see if I can see how any person that I look at is justifying his particular behavior, there is an old saying attributed to the Indians, the original North American citizens, that said, you don't know a man or understand him, which in our words doesn't mean you cannot have a agape for him until you've walked in his moccasins for a while. So let's begin an experiment in increasing and growing in love, agape, we will begin an experiment. We will take almost every person we see, observe what they're doing, and see if I could justify what he's doing. After all, we have all been conditioned, we know the justifications, and now could I justify what he is doing if I were using the same material that he has, the condition, the unexamined self, can I see how he is justifying what he is doing? I can understand that he couldn't do anything else because he's doing what seems right or proper or justifiable to him. So we will make us a list and we will attempt to be the devil's advocate, it's called. I will see how I could justify from the old pattern of conditioning everything someone else is doing because that way we will really understand them and we are growing in agape 
The ultimate example we have of agape is the Christ on the cross being crucified and his tormentors below. And he said, Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. He could see very well their justification for nailing him to a cross. He understood and could walk in their moccasins and he could understand that they felt that what they were doing was very justifiable or possibly even right or proper. And when we can begin to see that for the people who mistreat others, for the people who are crude, for the people who are rude, for the people who are ungentle in every way, for the people who are constantly trying to be helped, for the people who are teaching as fact philosophies of which they have never examined. In other words, could we forgive the scribes and the Pharisees? Could we forgive those that crucify the Christ? You see, when we begin to look, and we're really then growing in agape, it doesn't mean we would use that justification, but that I can see the justification that the person uses. I'm beginning to truly know the inner states of man. It might be said that I'm beginning to read his thoughts. Many people think that reading other people's thoughts would be a great attribute. It is really impossible to until one begins to consider and that is that being considerate again, being considerate are considering how they are justifying our feeling that whatever they're doing is right or proper. Then one is beginning to recall all the conditioning. It is rather a humbling experience. But then one begins to know what all men think because he sees what he is justifying. He sees where that justification comes from. And one doesn't forget that one's beginning was a slave to conditioning. And one doesn't get the big head. One recalls that very short length of time ago, I was a total slave to Mammon and to all of his henchmen, the basic decisions that said that the purpose, the way to gain non-disturbance was to complain, stick up for rights, please people, believe and do as told by authority, Put on a different front and blame. One can see what everyone is doing, and then one sees their thoughts. Their way laid wide open. It is not a great thing. It is the outcome of a little more understanding of what is meant by agape. It is being able to see from another's viewpoint, and then there is more agape. And possibly when one could see from another's viewpoint, and agape has increased, that one might begin to experience faith. But in the meantime, let's be thankful that we don't get it, because we might forget to be aware of how a man is justifying something, and we might think of revenge, or we might think of some other sort of thing like that. You see, somewhere it says, go and find out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, of course, is the action of agape. And we can only have agape as we can understand how the other person feels that what they're doing is right, proper, or justifiable. We can see that he is a slave. 
and that he is obeying an ever-demanding master who demands more, better, and different. Mammon. And not so very long ago, each of us was a slave of Mammon. And Mammon is still standing out there, doing his very best to get us back. And if we are not aware, we are not considerate, Mammon has an excellent chance. So let's have as an aim to understand other people's behavior, their attitudes, their state of being, and knowing that there goes I, except by the grace of something that came my way because I was finally questioned the purpose of living a little bit. I questioned Mammon a bit, and something come to me to meet me on the way when I was far away and gave me gifts. And after all, the teaching is a gift. It is the greatest gift this one has ever known.